1: It is to be champions. Oklahoma Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, one of the co-hosts of Through the Keyhole, an Oklahoma Sooners fan podcast. This is our weekly free episode, and we're being brought to you as always by Vanessa House. And we might have a couple new sponsors coming up too. So uh keep your ears open for that. Um as always, joined by my co-hosts uh, Peyton Guthrie and Matt Burton. Let's see here, Matt. You got some late night Thunder action. Do you think we'll see LeBron break the uh, record tonight with uh, you know with, uh, against the Thunder?
0: I do, man. I, I do. At least I sure hope so. I would love to do it. That was like the reason uh, that we were doing post game this late because our post game is going to start around like. One o'clock, like 12, like midnight after midnight. Yeah, he's going to be a late one. Uh, so I sure hope so. I sure hope he does. No, I uh, was asked today. Yeah, I, I think that he does. I think his teammates also probably make sure that, that he does it tonight, too.
1: How far away yeah, is he? No, he's got the box, right? Yeah. He's yeah, at he's about 35 points,
0: 36. Point yeah, he's got 36 to beat it, 35 to tie.
2: Is this his first game since the Kyrie trade? I think so. E- I think oh, he so, so, yeah. It. He breaks it. One hundred percent, he's breaking it. It was him all along. Yeah, especially <laughs>
1: right. especially the yeah, especially the. I mean, with the way the Lakers' season is gone, they kind of need something to uh, get some juice, you know. So it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, then again, maybe maybe they wait. I think they got the Bucks up next, so uh, that'd be you know that'd be kind of a maybe more of a prime time type uh, type opportunity for him. But we'll see, I guess um let's see here so peyton how about you man what's uh what's new in your neck of the woods man not much yeah you know southeastern oklahoma shout
2: out to davis it's just not you know it's a slower (laughs) slower part of the world than others it's been pretty good down here just uh just the the normal day job draining my soul to a certain degree but uh here revved up to talk about the university of oklahoma and uh college sports as a whole (laughs)
1: Right, right. Well, well, let's start off actually with some OU stuff and not a fun topic at all basketball. Uh, no. Sooners have gotten, they they looked so good not that long ago against Alabama and then got slaughtered. Two losses in a row to uh, Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Uh, they've got, uh, I believe, a road trip to Baylor coming up here and then mm-hmm. a weekend game against Kansas. So, never gets any easier. Uh, Matt, you're kind of our uh, OU hoops resident expert. Uh, what's your take?
0: Um, I, all NCAA tournament talks are are done. Uh, they're, they're done. They're, <laughs> the, that has been uh, shattered. Um, man, it's just—I I was trying to like warn people. I was like, "Hey, that's the best that they can play when they played against Alabama." I was yeah. like, "They're not going to play like that uh, again." Um, that's one of those those wins that you like—you hope that you build on. Rather than you like rest on, rather than you're like okay, yeah, no, we beat Alabama, the number two team in the country, by almost thirty, and you know on our on our home floor, stormed the court, everything. It was an emotional like win for a team that had been kind of struggling, and it felt to me like I mean they just they kind of thought okay, like weight off our back, you know, we we made it, like that's the win, we, that's a big win that we needed for the resume, and then. You just you can't have that happen. Similar to like I've talked about losses lingering in this conference. You can't get too high or too low. That means if you have a big win, you can't let that affect you either, because uh, that's a good another good team is coming in to beat you every single week, game in, game out in the Big 12. And that's just that's kind of what they ran into. I mean, you know, Oklahoma State, since the first meeting, the first Bedlam meeting, uh, up in Stillwater, Oklahoma State's like a completely different team. They're playing great yeah. right now. They're going to, they're probably going to be in the tournament with, and um, I need, mean, they get, they get tech twice down the road, but who's the worst team in the big 12. And even they're still a pretty good team, but like they have a pretty favorable schedule around the way. And then like a West Virginia team that is not the same West Virginia team that OU beat no. earlier in the year either. So like yeah. they're playing well too. So it's like, it, it's crazy. And because, you know, just how difficult this conference is, man. It, it's insane, game in, game out. And, oh, by the way, seven of their last eight games are against yep. top 15 teams. So it's, yeah. it, it doesn't yeah, get it any easier. Brutal. I mean, uh, if you want if you want any sort of, like, light at the tunnel like or anything like that, it's like, hey, those are some more big wins that you can put on your resume. But I just – I still don't think there's any way that this team makes uh, the NCAA tournament unless they just – Start playing like they did against Alabama, which I don't think is going to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of those things, too, where, you know, you, yeah, they've got a lot of opportunities to put big wins on the resume, but got to actually win the games so right, the way right, it's going right, right now. You know, it's just, um, yeah. Now, you know, you, you talked about the strength of the Big 12 also. I, You know, they had uh, Joe already on ES on uh, ESPN halftime of uh, last night's game between Texas and Kansas and he I mean he was saying it could be like a literally a historic year for the Big 12 in terms of seeding and the uh ncaa tournament the number of teams they might get in or the percentage and then also where they might be seated so yeah it's uh it's just killer uh you know kind of night in night out peyton you, you were telling us before the game don't want to uh don't want to give away your any any secrets here but you're gonna be heading to the the uh, kansas game this weekend got any hopes for an ou upset oh <laughs> no no not mm. at all
2: just uh mainly Mainly to watch it, and experience it, watch the watch the Jayhawks. I guess I me, mean, I'll be I'll be all colored up in the in the crimson and cream. But uh, no, it, it'd be my first time in the stadium, first time in the stadium, first time in uh, you know OU basketball arena, and watch all that type of stuff. I, I've never had to do it. I've saw too many people on Twitter bitch and moan about about you know, people not watching the games and all that type of stuff. I was like, you know what, let's not up and shut up. I'll go ahead and, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm paying it to the NIL. I'm doing everything else. You might as well actually go to a basketball game. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping there's some, like, cool opportunities around the game. They usually uh, <laughs> use that to you know, promote stuff or, like, giveaways and all that type of stuff. So hopefully that's what's going on. Uh, maybe there's no retro night or something but no. And you know what Matt was talking about? I mean, the, the lowest ranked team left on this is TCU they there. I think they're 17th according to uh, ESPN. It, there, there's just no chance. I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know. The, the team's not ready. The team, the talent's not there. I was talking to uh, the founder about the uh, basketball game, uh, about the team itself. And he, uh, for, for, for old reasons uh, is thinking, Hey, you know, uh, Uh, Moser was kind of dealt a bad hand Lons recruiting towards the end. There wasn't what it would have been. Obviously he got Trey young, but look how that turned out. The rest of the team talent wasn't quite there, you know, and then the hand he's dealt with COVID-19. he just wasn't able to get on good footing, but he truly and completely blames, uh, uh, lawn Kruger. So mow the lawn. That, that uh, makes sense. That makes a sense a, for the, cor- so the our yeah. current thing. Yeah, uh, for our current predicament, you know, it's uh, late stage Bob Stoops type of stuff for him when it comes to that. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's basically get us to a uh, get us to softball season. Oh, you basketball. It's all you got to do, which is a few days away. So <laughs> you're almost a cou- there.
0: A couple yeah. more points on that too, with, with just sticking with basketball. But um, like I I get the and I totally agree with um porter being dealt a bad hand because not only like was the recruiting dipping with lawn um when porter took over they had four players on the roster yeah they had four players and then the very next year this year his second year they had w- only one of those four was was on the roster and that's Jalen hill yeah like emoji gibson elijah harkless um ricka they they've all moved on to other places so it's like it's a complete roster turnover. He's a, like basically a complete roster turnover two years in a row. Um, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know very many coaches where they would have a ton of success uh, with that. And now you also to bring it back to maybe putting some blame on Porter Moser. Um, I, I mean, they've, they've been misses. Like the Groves brothers have been misses in the transfer portal. So like the transfers that they've gotten have kind of been misses Joe Bamisil. He doesn't play at all really. I yeah. Mean. Uh, gets gets minutes against West Virginia and looks all right, but I mean it, it's it's all just weird. And then you add in the fact that I mean I I think it makes sense from every single possible angle that he takes the Notre Dame job. I mean I think it just makes a ton of sense. I mean he's just a a, a Catholic guy from the Midwest from Chicago, like right there by uh notre dame like that area yeah so i mean yeah i, I think i think it just it just all makes sense uh, to me for him to take over notre dame so uh, i mean get your uh get your coaches uh in mind on who, who you want to yeah. uh, to take over
1: yeah that was going to be where i went to next i mean the you know the rumors are flowing around out there that notre dame's eyeing him to take over um and like, I mean, again, Matt, you, you hit it all on the head. Like that's his kind of his old stomping ground, you know, uh, being, you know, with the Loyal, to Chicago connections, Midwest, you know, he was also at St. Louis, right. With uh, Rick Majerus uh, as an assistant there. I mean, that, that, that part of it would all make sense. Um, and, you know, I, I was reading one thing, you know, some commentary along the lines of was well, Notre Dame really a better job than OU in basketball. And it's like, It probably not, but it's probably a better job if you're, you know, if you think you're on the hot seat at OU, right? So get your, get an opportunity to go somewhere you want before, uh, you know, the, uh, the firing squad comes for you. Now. I still think that Moser can be a, a, you know, can build a good program at OU. It's it's hard in college basketball right now with kind of the, you know, just the vagabond nature of everything going, you know, I mean, so many guys transferring in and out of programs all the time. Um, but, you know, they, they do so much good stuff, like from a basketball, you know, tactic strategy standpoint, but like they just have no athleticism. On the floor. I mean, Zero. it was Zero. hard to watch them. It was hard to watch them against Oklahoma State, right? I mean, OSU had so much length and so much athleticism all over the floor, and I mean, you know, OU plays so close to the ground, man. It's just, it's hard to watch, man.
0: Yeah, the the Bedlam game in Norman, I I made it to about five minutes into the second half. I watched from start to about five minutes to the second half. Uh, but the first five possessions, I was like, "Oh, this is not this is not going OU's yeah. way tonight." They, I mean, Caleb Boone uh, for Oklahoma State did basically whatever he wanted when Tanner Groves was on him. He yeah. did anything he wanted down the post. So I don't know. It's um, yeah, it, it's a it's a lot. and two, it's it's different, right from from football because OU, if they're you know tampering, getting players in the transfer portal, they're like, I mean, OU's a, a blue blood in. In football like they're among the highest bidders that's i mean the donors are forking over money to get mm. you know the football program better i don't think they, ha- they have that much backing in basketball so i mean adding into that where you know like you can tr- you you might be in on some of these transfers but they go you know to the highest bidder and ou is not among them in in basketball they're way more higher bidders um in in basketball than than OU is in in uh in football but um that and and now it kind of turns to like uh some of the young guys this is kind of the nature uh, I mean like Milo's use I am a huge fan of Milo's use on this OU basketball team I think he has got a bright future um as a really good college basketball player and like it's like does he stay I'm a fan of Otega Owe, the other freshman who is barely kind of getting playing time. So does he look at it like, OK, I'm not getting any playing time at all. I I can just go somewhere else like both of those guys were uh, top 100 guys in the country. So like, do are is there tampering going on with them? Like, are they going to leave? So mm-hmm. it's all it's all just like a, a huge giant question mark uh, on the basketball program right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, names that are flowing out there. If Moser does take that Notre Dame job, uh, Grant McCaslin from uh, North Texas, and then also Paul Mills, the head coach, Joel Roberts and, uh, uh, you know, blast from the past, Kellen Sampson, um, one of his dad, Kelvin's top assistants at Houston. Uh, those are very similar names to what we heard the last go around. So we'll see if uh, maybe maybe something comes to fruition on that as if Moser does leave for the Notre Dame job. But, uh, oh, you probably we talked about the strength of the Big 12 in basketball, Uh, you know, there was a report out from Pete Thamel last week that got tongues wagging uh, about uh, where OU will be playing its future uh, games. And it wouldn't be the SEC until uh, 2025, according to Thamel. There's been a lot of reporting since then that has refuted that. I know we've gone kind of, you know, we've kind of hashed over this, but, you know, the big issue here was always going to be, you know, Ou wanted to leave, wants to leave for the SEC. Texas does. The Big Twelve wants OU out. The SEC they want OU and Texas in. ESPN they want OU and Texas in. The one sticking point is Fox, <laughs> and that was always going to be the sticking point. And the one one of the big questions that I always had about this was why would Fox just let this happen, given that they own those uh, Big Twelve rights up until that the uh, expiration of the grant rights in two thousand twenty-five. And uh, you know, apparently Fox is balking at uh, giving OU and Texas away for free. Uh, there's been a lot of you know subsequent talk that the, you know these these actually these uh, negotiations are still very much in flux. Um, Ross Dellinger of uh, SI.com was on the podcast uh, earlier today, I believe, and uh, he did some reporting out last week and and kind of shed more light on, it, I think, than Thamel did. And, uh, you know, his take was that there's probably a 75 to 80% chance that OU and Texas are playing in the SEC and all sports in 2024. Um, uh, does that, I mean, are you guys hearing anything? Are are we all just kind of going off the same reports here? Uh, I'm waiting for a text back
2: to clarify if I can speak on some information that was given to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if that happens, then I'll gladly talk about it in a vague in a vaguely thing. Um uh, I've just got text back. It'll be on the patreon episode so, but uh I think okay. I think all i think all uh so yeah our patreon's four dollars a month four dollars a month uh I think all things are pointing to that direction in in my mind i mean if you just put if you just put the tea leaves down of of what's happening the only you know the only person there standing there is Fox I mean you know and the entity at that point in time is Fox, and you know like you said they're they're not going to want to to miss out on some of this stuff i mean. They've got Red River coming up, obviously, which they would have. There's Texas-Michigan game. I mean, these games move the needle. I mean, in, in ways that that's hard to kind of understand. Um, I was talking to the founder a little bit just about. I was like, name name the top SEC regular season matchup off the top of his head. He said, you know, I guess the Iron Bowl. I was like, you know, Michigan Ohio State like outperforms that like five times. I mean, it's just it's just how yeah. it is. And if you've got certain games like that coming down the line against Texas and oklahoma to obviously to a secondary degree on that uh you don't want to miss out on that money it's it's just sitting there it's yours and, and someone's trying to take it from you. why would you do that uh but i think the note that really um really like, intrigues me on that part of it is if i'm a fan or if i am an ad or something along those lines of some of the of the remaining big 12 teams and the incoming big 12 teams and seeing this fight because I think we're all in agreement. ESPN, OU, Texas, Big Twelve—they're ready for this divorce. <laughs> but if Fox uh-huh. is like, "Well, hold on now," I would—that would probably set off my spider senses to a certain degree, uh, the, the Peter tingle uh, a little bit. <laughs> trying to figure out, <laughs> like, "Hey, wait a second—is I? If if I'm like a doom casting it, I'm thinking, well, what does Fox think about us as an entity? Thinks about us as a TV market? Thinks about us as you know TV content?" are we looking at more Thursday night games, Friday night games, uh, you know, cause they're not going to put you on those prime time things. They don't value value this league the same way that they did with OU and Texas in it, obviously uh, that's something that would, I would really want my hand in the air. And it's, it's probably some questions that some of the big 12 people are uh, asking Fox right now to a certain degree, but Alan, you know, to, to, to your tweet earlier, Hopefully, now everyone will just shut up about OU Texas being broke, boys. It's always been the TV <laughs> networks. It's always been the TV networks. It will all, I mean, this, this, all this is, all college football is now is free agency. Cool. People are getting paid finally. And it's a TV product. The sport is almost secondary. I mean, you know, at this point in time, it's when, you know, you don't get to pick one, you get to play. We just went in Nebraska at night. <laughs> and now yeah. all this has happened out of that i don't know but i mean matt what i mean you're the one who actually has to handle like programming stuff on the radio and talk about things and i have like a no, boring day job so <laughs> no i don't i'm <laughs> i'm looking at this just like you guys i <laughs> from from
0: the outside man i um i i just i have no idea i i was just like you guys i mean it's i knew it was the tv networks that were holding everything up and that kind of everyone else wanted to move on like everyone big 12 wanted to move on obviously OU and texas wanted to move on like i don't know i i just i hope it gets resolved and to me like of all the the talks was it pete Thamel who like broke it that it was just that the, the talks were dead and they were gonna
1: he i made just, it out like it was dead yeah
0: right if it, it to me it just feels like it's 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 dead for now we'll talk about it you know we'll talk about it again like it'll get brought up again to me
1: yeah, you know, I mean, one thing about it, Stephen Godfrey talks about this a lot on Split Zone Do, and he's absolutely right. Like, Thamel's an ESPN employee. Like, any reporting he does on this needs to be, you know, uh, caveated as such, because, you know, you could clearly see a, a situation where what ESPN is doing there or, or someone at ESPN leaking that to Thamel, uh, you know, as a way to put pressure on Fox to come to the table and make an agreement. Um, because it, it just didn't seem to really match up with the the broader sentiment that I that the that, that I had picked up on at least, um, in terms of where this was headed. You know, one other thing too, like I I know it's kind of fun to talk about this is like oh, you know, all these other schools that are still in the Big Twelve are looking to screw OU in Texas or you know, I mean they're they're doing that, and like, you know. I'm sure that obviously there's hard feelings over this, but like these people all also have athletic departments and athletic programs to, to worry about of their own. And like, you know, getting petty revenge on OU in Texas by making them stay in the big 12 or whatever is, is bad for them. You know, I mean, they, they, the way to screw OU in Texas is get as much money out of them as possible. Um, Lastly, this is such a bizarre situation to me, like in the sense that, and, and Peyton, you kind of alluded to this, but like you've got two of the biggest brands in this, in college football that want out. You've got the people they're supposed to be playing want them out. And Fox is telling them, no, you got, as of right now, Fox's stance is no, you guys have to play each other. Like it just doesn't, it, it just is such a, I mean, I don't know. It, It's just so farcical, the the idea like they might as well just take the conference offices and just like get rid of them and just put ESPN execs there. Right. Because why even bother like with the bloat, like they're just taking marching orders for ESPN. And if I have to read another one of these profiles of some. Executive in college sports who everybody thinks is some genius for how they see the chessboard playing or whatever, whatever, man. They are all just taking money. There, it doesn't take a genius to look at a spreadsheet and to receive a check from ESPN. Like you're not, you're not brilliant. You're not, you know, you're not Henry Ford out there or whatever. I mean, like, give me a break, man. Like. Just let's just call it what it is, man. That that's all it is. The TV networks are own the product now. The the you know the schools themselves. It's no longer a relationship with the TV networks or their vendors distributing content. The the schools themselves are the vendors to the networks. You know, I mean, it's just the whole thing is just it's just I don't know. That's the part of it where you know Peyton, you bring up. If I'm a program, I'm wondering how espn is looking at me and fox is looking at me going for well like i mean why the hell would you want to be in business with these people now like do something that makes you happy like that your fans can enjoy like what we're going for right now is just it's just i i'm not not confident about the direction of the sport in general yeah, no, that's something sure. that was kind of interesting too, especially
2: when the USC uh, UCLA stuff broke off, and everyone was you know, you know, ringing the death bell for the Pack Pack Ten, I guess uh, pac Twelve, uh, and you know, there's there's some reports like Cal's like cool, we'll just not play football, I mean, it's, it's, or you know, yeah. or certain programs being like, this really doesn't do anything for us. Like we 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 have other aspirational goals as a university that you know it, it's it's just a different aspect, you know university of oklahoma is the football team <laughs> you know it's the front porch all mm-hmm. that type of stuff these other programs you know, stanford does stanford need the football team to get people to want to enroll and be part of stanford's program and you know, all that type of stuff you know no it doesn't uh but in, until this becomes democratized to a certain degree you know um and i kind of even hate phrasing it that way but you know, I, yeah. you, know that, you know amazon buys a package you know other teams start buying stuff peacock you know has you know has a some stake in the big uh, Big 10 at that point in time. Uh, it, that does help out, you know, then you can start, start spreading these things around. But then those guys get in the room because they're like, hey, we're all competing for each other. You know, Fox said, hey, we're going to basically punt on the prime time and we're going to take the 11 a.m. spot and that's going to be our prime time. Uh, obviously, it sucked as an OU fan because you got stuck at the 11 a.m. every single time because you're the money bell because you're the one winning all the games uh, and it hurt the program. But these school, like you said, these networks, these they, they don't they don't give a damn if it's if recruits are having a hard time getting to campus and fans are having a hard time, if a lot of people are tuning in and the ads are hitting the way they're supposed to hit and people are watching, that's all that, that's the part. I, I, I don't. That's the part that's rough. I mean, and to your point earlier, talking about it doesn't take a genius. Uh, I mean, Tony Kornheiser says it all the time. It's like you look at the top 100 rated, uh, you know, TV shows. And 99 of them are football. So you just like look at it and say, "Hey, we should sign some of these teams." <laughs> I mean, it's yeah,
1: yeah, it's,
2: pretty, yeah. it's pretty easy. <laughs> it's it's not too difficult to figure out what works and what doesn't. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it's the NFL's like, you know, 70 of the top 100, then you've got yeah. uh, college football after that. But I mean, man, it the the, the truth I mean, if, if 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 I'm if I'm not only the pack if I'm not only the Pac-12 and the Big 12 schools, let's say I'm South Carolina. And I, I need to be looking 10 years from now and saying, what's keeping Fox ESPN from saying, let's just chop off the top of all these teams and smash them together. And then, I don't know, Vanderbilt, yeah. figure it out yourself. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not too far away from making a full semi-pro, you know, that, that division, whatever, you know, NFL junior. We're, we're close to it now, getting close to a P2, but... I don't see it being too far away from them saying Ohio State, Michigan, UCLA, Notre Dame, uh, come to the SEC. <laughs> and that's it. You know, we'll <laughs> rebrand it and go from there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a sad state of affairs. Man. Speaking of, sorry, um, uh,
0: Brett yeah. McMurphy just tweeted out that the uh, PAC 12 commissioner, George Alphabet, shout out the, the founder, was <laughs> um, visiting SMU and that S, uh, San Diego State and SMU. Our uh, top Pac-12 expansion candidates,
1: and nothing well, that, says Pac-12 that makes 12, sense, like right? Dallas, yeah.
0: like Dallas, Texas. Right? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, jeez. Um, well, look, you know, looking at Oklahoma, though, uh, our our buddy uh, Bill Conley of uh, ESPN put out, uh, you know, his uh, how he kind of uh, ranks returning production for FBS teams in 2023. Um, you know, this is an input into the uh into his sp plus modeling so you know it's just kind of one of the factors that he that he looks at you know and i you can kind of use it as a proxy i guess for maybe for experience right um you know looking at this uh rankings he's got for example uh florida state is uh returning 87% of the Seminole's production from this season in 2023, uh, which is only going to help bolster their uh candidates, you know, can't see as uh the kind of the breakout team or the uh, the team that's back this year. Um Sooners come in 77th. Uh, you know, so really actually right around the middle of the pack at 62 percent. Um, You know, just quick math here. The median is right around 62%. So, uh, you know, really OU is just kind of right around the middle there. Um, OU ranks 79th in offensive return production with 62%, 67th uh, on defense with 63%. I mean, so very just kind of middle of the road in general here. Um, Let's see here. So, I, I don't know. I mean, is this something... I don't know. Is this, let me ask you this, Matt, would it be, is it a good thing for OU to have a lot of returning production from last season or a bad thing?
0: Yeah. That's always the question, right? I mean, you pick up the uh, Mm. Chisholm Holland on the franchise. He always, he always does this every year with the, with the Phil steel magazine, you know, they show how many returning starters you have Uh, in like uh, South Florida, USF uh, had the most returning starters, um and everyone he was like oh they're gonna be everyone's dark horse because they're returning everybody but <laughs> they went two and ten last year so is that a good thing um i, I think it is uh, especially at like i mean you, you needed to have the quarterback back you didn't want to have to hit the transfer portal portal or start true freshman i think that's important like what positions uh do you have guys coming back at i think that's important and then uh now with with the transfer portal too i mean like it's just like they they brought in a ton of transfers that I I think are going to play day one and make significant impacts like the uh, McCola kid I think the Reggie Pearson kid from Tech is going to play a ton uh, the Bothroyd kid from Wake Forest I think he's going to play a ton make a difference so it's like it's like I don't know so I I think for me I think it is a good thing. Um, but then just like I always have Chisholm Holland talking back in the back of my mind, like, yeah, they went six yeah. and seven. They went six and seven though, but yeah, but uh, a yeah. so good thing they have all those returning guys.
2: Yeah. Well yeah, it worked out for TCU this past year. So Absolutely. You, you can't you can't season all of it. But I mean something I mean like Alan said, I mean, OU is returning 62 percent of its production. Uh, in 2022, OU is returning 64. You know, and there was kind of some hand wringing about that. And it's like, well, that's super obvious. Everyone transferred out. Uh, I-, I think it's I think it's not as big of a deal this year as last year. Obviously, because you're talking about Caleb Williams, you're talking about starters leaving, you're talking about you know high end top top talent level leaving the program, and now you've got a uh, basically re- you're losing guys who. If you're University of Oklahoma, these are the guys you should be churning out to a certain degree. I mean, uh, you know, Broyles, uh, DU, uh, all the the guys who played a lot, who may not have been over the top impact type players. uh, Those are a lot of snaps that are gone off the defense, Uh, you know, stripling stuff like that. You've got guys who are gone who maybe weren't necessarily difference makers. Dudes who should be on the too deep by no you know you know, uh, you know uh, hand of God on that, but I'm not saying say they're bad players or, or trash players, but I think these are guys who oh, OU should be replacing every two years anyway to a certain degree, and as you know, as Matt talking about, you're keeping your quarterback snaps. That's what <laughs> that's that that yeah, matters yeah. a lot. It's a big one, uh, you know you're losing gray, but it's, you're losing one running back and now you're getting Barnes and Sawchuck completely in the system. And I would argue the two of them within this system or more or, or more appropriately cast for this system than gray was. I think gray, if you watch a senior bowl, stuff like that, he's going to make his money in the nfl swing passes, screen game, stuff like that. Things that, OU did not do with him. I mean, Oh, you turned him to a power back to a certain degree. Uh, losing both tackles is rough. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But the, you know, the transfer game has been there. Uh, and if the DL comes in, uh, you know, heavily on the transfer game, as we've been doing and if, you know, Oh, able to pull Nick Jackson out of Virginia, all of a sudden, it's not too bad. You know, another in another, uh, input that Bill Conley has, uh, you know, he re-rated the, uh, 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 recruiting rankings via his transfers in into it. And he's, you know, bumped up OU to the number two overall class, you know, including transfers and everything as LSU number one. Uh, so it's, it's kind yeah. of interesting. You, you've got some, you've got some, I guess like maybe new talent and new snaps, I think may kind of bevy up this not 62% at the end of the game. Um, unless that's already calculated and that sound like an idiot right now.
1: <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're, you're right on. You know, I, I mean, i mean first of all you know bill i mean first of all this isn't bill's like opinion you know i mean these are he he runs you know statistical models looking at how you know these different uh different stats impact uh performance uh in the upcoming season you know and so like he's got different weighting right for percent for um you know percentage of returning production so like for example Uh, quarterback is a big one right that's one guy 23 uh, percent percent of returning quarter QB passing yards counts for 23 percent of your uh, returning production amount right so I mean having Dylan Gabriel back who essentially you know was really the only guy who had any kind of passing yardage of note for OU last year that's a big deal Um, you know percentage of returning wide receiver tight end receiving yards that's 24 percent percentage of Offensive returning OL snaps, 47%. So that's one where OU's, you know, I mean, you're looking at the number of starters uh, gone. You've really got two starters back. You know, one guy who kind of started, what, half the season and Tyler Guyton also, um, maybe five games. So you're going to take a hit there. Uh, Then the interesting one, too, is also percentage of returning uh, running back rushing yards is only 6% of your production. So, I mean, it kind of lends to that whole thing idea about rainbacks being kind of interchangeable. Um, you know, looking at it on, on defense percent of returning tackles is 70% of the the measure. So a guy like David Igwebu leaving the program, you know, I mean, it's going to look like a significant hit. Now he's going to a program that's making the move up from group of five to power five and he's changing positions. So, you know, what does that say about the production that's actually lost? Now, let me th- I'll also take the flip side of that also. What does it say about the other guys in the roster if that player was your starting middle linebacker last year? You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways to slice this. Um, you know, looking at some of OU's, uh, you know, kind of big you know, top competition here, I mean, checking in at number, let's see here, 19, Texas. returning production 74%. 85% returning production on the offensive side of the ball. That is uh, ranks third in the country. Um, you know, you gotta, got, got. Uh, there's obviously a lot of snaps back on the offensive line there. Yours coming back. Big deal is, is a big deal. Um, receiving core. The one interesting part about that is going back to the waiting for running backs, right? That's saying that Bijan Robinson really isn't a huge loss for that offense. I mean, are there is this a case do you think where maybe it might be that these this is kind of a different case maybe uh, i mean what do you guys think
2: i think it's a different case because if you were to i mean um uh, there's some some statistical uh models out there i think parker was tweeting out about a uh what, what's his handle anymore i can't remember uh, stats of war uh, stats awards tweeting out about uh running back reduction and the. You know, Yards expected via the offensive line, and then you added on to the how many yards a running back had to re- had to uh, you know achieve after the offensive line did their thing, and that you know Texas was heavily skewed its rushing production on Bijan and on uh, Rojan uh you know to, to actually produce the running yeah. game for them. It wasn't a uh, it, it wasn't like an offensive like for Oklahoma. Eric Gray made a lot of made a lot of yards, but like the the offensive line got him 80 percent of those yards like that's how it all kind of broke down texas was like 50 50 or something like that or and you don't really want to be skewed that high to be honest with you you want it to be you're getting the expected yards based on the you know the uh uh, offensive line that's able to get you and then it's a bonus when your running back can get above those expectations because the offensive line is where the pulse of the you know pulse of the offense is from to, to you know to a certain degree if that's performing well that's a healthy room then you know your plug and play you don't have to have a a generational running back to be able to get you to those those things there i think that's a bigger loss honestly than what we're expecting now if you go to the texas fan side or something this next running back who was a third stringer last year is actually way better than everyone else they add so whatever Uh, so so maybe maybe i'm missing the point on there Uh, but i think it's rough on them but a team i do think I'm just seeing right up there and everyone's kind of losing their mind about Florida state and for sure. And I want to figure out if you can, can you fade a cultural team? Uh, Cause if so, uh, sure. I will be doing that yeah. for Florida state, yeah. but Kansas at number two, uh, returning 91% of their offense and 80% of their defense. I think that's really good for Kansas. I think that's a, a stat of, yeah, sure. I mean, they got to the bowl game stuff, but I think they're, when it comes to like building programs, I think Kansas, I I think that's a good for Kansas. I think Kansas is like another bowl game type of a thing coming up uh, this next season, especially if they can keep the quarterback healthy. Uh, But it comes for Texas. I think the running backs may be rough. Uh, And then, you know, they're only at 68 overall on the defense side and the defense is what's always going to be the issue for Texas when Texas is uh, not playing up to
1: up to snuff. Right, and that was probably where they made the biggest gains last season, I think, too, is on that side of the ball. So that's one to one to keep in mind. But looking kind of more broadly, uh Circa Sports released their preseason uh national title odds right before we started, so that was fortuitous. Uh and They've got, no surprise, Georgia as the consensus over really, I mean, for this time of year, overwhelming favorite at plus 205 to win the national championship, followed by Alabama and Ohio State, Alabama 600 plus 600, Ohio State plus 650, Michigan at plus 800, LSU fifth plus 1200, USC plus 1400, Penn State plus 2300, Clemson plus twenty five hundred. So, I mean, think about it, like where Clemson used to be on these, and now Penn State's in front of in, in front of them. I mean, uh, OU is much farther down than uh, than usual at plus six thousand to win the national championship. Um, <laughs> is there anything that I just mentioned that you would sound appealing to you as as a as a bet? I mean, in terms of the odds that you're getting, it sounds Matt. let will start with you. Yeah, Matt, go for it. Um, yeah, Matt, it sounds what, appealing.
0: What... Um, oh man, you mentioned Clemson. I their quarterback play is gonna be better. Uh, I I yeah. don't I don't see any way their quarterback play is not better. Uh, and then Garrett Riley coming over, that offense should be very much improved. Uh, and and shocker, like Clemson still has a ton of dudes on defense. Like I think yeah. they're still gonna be fine, and they play in the ACC still. So like I I think they should uh they should you know them it's going to be them in florida state you know uh to come into the year of like oh these teams should match up um in the acc title game i i don't know clemson is a little bit intriguing uh, i don't know if i've pulled up the circa odds but I'm, I'm on vegas insider right now um i was trying to find the one that that you guys were looking at but uh, at this point how could you not just say all right it's georgia until further notice
1: Mm-hmm. I know they lose
0: Stetson Bennett or Hey, Georgia and Alabama. I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm really going out on a limb here. Uh, but I just, at this point, I just don't know how you can't, uh, I don't know how you can't say that. Uh, thank you, Peyton, for sending that to me. Sorry.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, uh,
1: I, uh anything, anything, Peyton, what do you think?
2: Uh, I, I don't know. Just, 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 for some reason the name that's sticking out to me and you know, flame away is, uh, <laughs> uh, Notre Dame at 4,000. I mean, you're going to get a, an upgrade at quarterback. You're more than likely, in my opinion, going to get an upgrade at offensive coordinator uh, pretty soon, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems like a team that plays some of these teams in front of them and could match up pretty well. Uh, I think some sucker bets is, uh, I, I mean, Michigan, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. No. There's just so much turmoil all around that stuff that it seems kind of wild. Uh, but obviously, Florida State being at you know three thousand plus what seems to be the height they're going to be receiving, <laughs> if you really uh, were hook, line, and sinker into Florida State, yeah, I, I'd, I'd put money down on that. I mean, if I was a crazy person who actually bet on this stuff, <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> but if you were truly to see all this stuff and see all the tea leaves, to me that means they're going to crash and burn. But if you were burnt, if you were buying into that team of hey everything is lining up, I would put the money on it now. <laughs> It's, it seems yeah. you're, you're going to be right there and you've got LSU in front of you uh, very early and you can do that stuff. Uh, and then LSU itself is interesting. Um, you know, you beat Alabama last year, you win the West last year. Uh, they're getting more talent coming in here. Brian Kelly is I mean, as much as he's, as he's you know, an asshole. He is a very effective college very good, football yeah. head coach. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever want to be in a room with him, but if he's coaching my football team, <laughs> I think I could handle the wins. Um uh, but it would be, I think. I think for some reason, maybe it's because Notre Dame's in green. Uh, uh, yeah. it's, uh, I think that is an interesting thing to keep a to keep a tag on. Sucker bet for me uh, is one
0: thousand percent Penn State. By the way, plus twenty three. I I am oh, not a believer sure. in Penn State at all. I don't know how. I just I don't I don't get it. I do not get the Penn State love uh, year in and year out. I don't get. I didn't get the Sean Clifford love. Like, there's no way he's back, right? I mean, he he played for eight years. He's one of those guys, right?
1: No, but they got a five-star kid coming in uh, that that was on the roster last year, uh, Allard. Um, Okay, so maybe there's another guy
0: that'll be overrated by everyone. Great, awesome. (laughs) Um, But no, like, um, I'm kind of surprised, like, with the returning, uh, with Cam Rising coming back, that Utah's not a little bit higher. I'm not saying that they should be, like, favorites or anything. I'm a little surprised they're not a little bit higher though. Pac-12 champions. Yeah. USC
2: comfortably. I think just the yeah. Pac-12 is lining up to be a very, very strong football conference this next year. If all the returning quarterbacks that it just may be kind mm-hmm. of a, it, they're going to have to play all these other guys. <laughs> all is, these other uh, is, teams. Is
0: Penix back at Washington yeah. or is he done? Is he yeah. back? Okay. I, bel- I believe yeah, he's, he's
2: back. back. Yeah, yeah. He's and back. they're right yeah. behind them.
1: Yeah. And conspiracy theory, you know, the, uh, Having having Utah where they have them, that makes me wonder if Rising's injury. You know, I mean, he got hurt in the Rose Bowl, and there's been right. very little transparency around <laughs> what happened there. So that might be a case where he's going to take a while to get back in the swing of things. But uh, yeah, there.
2: I remember reading. Yeah. That. And I'm, this might be a fever dream that Rising would be like a fall guy, a fall camp type of a thing. Like he's going to miss all summer and all that type of stuff. And even then, you know, if you're just being yeah. healthy enough to start taking snaps in fall, you're going to be pretty far behind.
1: Yeah. Physically, yeah. Well, least. they're going to make, yeah. I mean, the, the sports books are going to make, I mean, first of all, I should mention I do this all the time with these future bets, but these are all horrific bets. Like the odds <laughs> are actually
0: yes. horrible
1: yeah. for any of these. So if you're if you're if you're making any of these bets, keep that in mind. I can tell you that the uh, sports books are going to make a killing on uh, USC at plus fourteen hundred. They're going to make a killing. You mentioned it, uh, Matt. Penn State at plus twenty three hundred. Penn State has a huge fan base, so they're going to make mm-hmm. a killing there. Uh, you know they're going to make a killing on Texas, also a plus thirty five hundred. Yeah. Uh, that will be another one where they that, that's going to be a big money maker for them. But uh, one of the favorites here, Alabama, just replaced two of their uh, pardon me their their two coordinators, uh, both offensive and defensive. Uh, Peyton mentioned it before, but uh, Tommy Reese is heading there from Notre Dame. Uh, Matt, uh, pardon me, Nick Nick Saban went back to the well uh, with uh, Kevin Steele. Uh, defensive coordinator mm-hmm. a one of his old lieutenants um these are not the kinds of names that i think alabama fans wanted to hear coming up with these jobs you know with these jobs is, is this a sign of some is this a sign of anything big you think with the nick saban and and the alabama regime i mean anything to take away here
2: i i think it's I don't know. It's hard to say, is this a sign of the times or is this a sign of the, you know, the emperor declining type of a thing, but you're right. These are not the names you're used to seeing. You're not, I mean, Steele is whatever, he, whatever he was is, isn't what he is now <laughs> at, at that point in time. Mm. Uh, you see what he was last year. I think it was like the 85th overall coordinated defense. And there's stuff, you know, I mean, there's reasons for some of that stuff contextually, but just, you know, just on the face of it. It's not too great. And then Tommy Reese, I, I mean, beyond having played at Notre Dame and all that type of stuff, I don't know if there's a bunch of Notre Dame love uh, for, for where he was and what he was doing other than maybe it's like, well, that kind of stings. I mean, you played here, <laughs> you're coordinating here, you kind of grew yeah. up in the coaching ranks. Uh, and for But for Tommy, sure. I mean, if you're offensive coordinator at uh, University of Alabama, it's it's a pretty good stepping stone job for, for an OC uh, and for DC, obviously, to kind of walk through here. Still, I don't think he's probably looking for another head coaching job. But Reese, if it's like, Hey, I can get some, I can get a couple years under and have that, un, have that kind of in my book to a certain degree. It makes sense for him, uh, for university of, I, I'm, I'm not for sure if it makes a ton of sense, um, beyond you had to hire somebody. And if the rumors are true, I mean, it, you know, levy was talked, uh, very heavily, uh, you know, uh, uh and offered. And reached out again and asked again, I mean, it was uh, uh, apparently somewhat of an aggressive uh, approach to uh, to some of these guys, and it does seem like, um, you know, Reese was your third or fourth option, but. Sometimes uh, you don't get you don't get what you want you end up getting what you need so maybe it maybe it's going to work out well for for saving on the uh, waning years of the empire for uh, with Tommy Reese. To me, the,
0: uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. to me, the, the Kevin doing feels like, okay, this guy that's been around me for a while, kind of an older guy. I don't think, like you said, Peyton, he's not going to want to go anywhere. And, you know, he kind of knows what I want and what I'm looking for. Um, and it's a guy that's not going to leave in a couple of years, you know, like, I mean, it's, that's the thing with Alabama, like their coordinators just get poached year after year. And maybe like towards the end, Saban's like, all right, I just want a guy I can trust and he's going to, Stay here with me until I I call it quits, and you know we can uh, we can worry about the offensive side when it gets there. When Tommy Reese gets a job, like we can keep turning out offensive coordinators, but to keep losing both, like year after year. I'm sure it's just a bit of a headache. And he's like, "All right, I just need some stability here."
1: Yeah, you know this is kind of one of those though where like anybody who's ever worked for like a super asshole boss, like stop, yeah. Yeah, like the the impression I the impression I get like this time around it sounds like for some reason Saban had it in his mind that he needed to get younger uh at that position, right? Cuz you look at the guy, I mean, you know, Grub from Washington, younger guy, levy younger guy, uh Reese, very young. Um and you know, he's had all these retreads that have gone through there and all had success. I mean, you know, Lane Kiffin, everybody talks about Lane Kiffin now, like he's some, like he's this offensive guru, but really when Saban hired him, I mean, his reputation was kind of trashed. You know, you got guys like Bill O'Brien, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, these are guys who really needed, they were desperate and needed this opportunity. Uh, But, a, you know, a coach like Grubb or Levy, I mean, they don't have to put up with the abuse you're going to get from Nick Saban as uh, you know, on his staff. And, Uh, you know, they're they're still going to make really good money at the jobs where they're at. So why would they want to put up with that, even if it is coaching at Alabama? Uh, You know, I think that that's kind of my impression of the calculus here. And, you know, a guy like Reese, I mean, I I believe, I don't think he's married yet. I don't think he has kids. I mean, he can throw himself into this job for a couple of years and then move on if he has success, you know. So uh, to me, I don't know, it's just kind of like, Maybe it's just as much as anything else. Some of the mystique around working for Saban is kind of worn off. I think, but that's just me me uh, speculating. So, um, let's see here. Well, we're we're running up on about an hour, guys. Like anything else we should talk about? Anything I missed? Uh, nothing
2: you missed. I did hear some stuff on Twitter about the about the Kevin Steele hire. Uh, was that it's mainly a uh, a hire in order to? I believe I'm getting this. I'm I maybe confusing the coach. To get uh, Coleman, uh, I think it's Coleman, uh, get him up to speed to be the next DC in, you know, and in two or three years type of a thing and, and potentially be that kind of baton to uh the next era of Alabama football in general. Uh, it's kind of as if like Saban's trying to do the Snyder thing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm setting yeah. up the next guy right now and I go, he's the guy type of a thing. Uh, I think that was the name. I couldn't find the tweet that I liked and retweeted. So I apologize. for getting the name wrong, but uh, someone on the, there's a coach on the roster in which a lot of the people around the Alabama program are thinking this is the next guy more than likely when Saban goes and things are kind of getting set up to allow him to start walking through some of these steps. So it makes sense to pair a young offensive coordinator. If you've got another young guy rising up to the defensive ranks within your system uh, to kind of move along in that way. But other than that no man i think we did a, uh, you know thankfully some of uh, the news fairies kind of helped us out this week and <laughs> getting us going mm-hmm. but I, I think we did a pretty good job covering everything that's out there uh sad to see porter moser begging for another day money though that's just i mean sad 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 <laughs> sad, sad safe affairs
1: yeah no i think I, yeah i actually read that same thing too about kevin Steele. Uh, i believe it's coleman hunts hustler yes yes that is the yeah he's a special teams coordinator and coaches outside linebackers. I think the plan is for him to eventually take over for steel. And, you know, there's a lot of talk that he might be the guy that eventually succeeds, uh, saving his head coach. So uh, I guess that's, that's definitely a name to watch, but um, well guys let's see here, I thanked our sponsors already, Vanessa house, we might have some more news coming soon about new sponsors, but if you made this far, please go subscribe to the Patreon. If you already are a subscriber make sure to tell your friends get them involved uh you know that's the the kind of stuff that keeps us uh going you know aside from these free shows for you guys um and i think really that just about covers everything else is there something there's gotta be one last thing i feel like boomer boomer sooner i messed it up i stomped all (laughs) of your boomer